the proud home of your Los Angeles Dodgers. Welcome to off-season Dodger talk. High ball left field is on its way and a grand slam home run. Hosted by your favorite Dodger insider for this off-season, David Vassay. To be a part of the show, call 866-987-2570. You're a true professional, brother. And subscribe and podcast us wherever you listen to shows. Now, here's David Vassay. Welcome to Dodger Talk. David Vassay with you until 8 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. And we have a great show for you tonight as the best national baseball reporter, writer, will join us from The Athletic and Fox Sports, the one and only Ken Rosenthal. He will give us the latest and the direction of this lockout that is now seeing day number 91. Ken will join us at 7.15, and then at the bottom of the hour at 7.40, actually, we'll head over to Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona. That's where I caught up with one of the Dodgers' top pitching prospects in Bobby Miller. So we're not going to spend all night just lamenting the fact that Major League Baseball canceled the first two series of the season, which for the Dodgers means the first seven games at Dodger Stadium. Um, I guess, like I tweeted yesterday at the Real underscore DV, that means the Dodgers' 6-1 and one start is a little bit more in doubt because they were going to play the Rockies and Diamondbacks, who haven't really competed in the last, oh, I don't know, six years in the NL West. I guess the last time the Rockies competed was that one year in 2018 when they took the Dodgers to game 163, but really haven't been heard from, uh, and the Diamondbacks certainly have not been heard from since the Dodgers went swimming in their pool back when they clinched uh, the 2013 NL West Championship. So that's why I was confident the Dodgers would have at least a 6-1 and one start against those two teams, but because the first two series have been canceled, those seven games are off, and that means the Major League Baseball Championship schedule is down to 155 games. You know, I I warned you that there was a very good chance spring training would not start until the last two weeks of March, which would mean more than likely a delay of opening day. Did I think games were going to be canceled? I never really thought it would be. But Rob Manfred said yesterday the reason being is because of the interleague schedule where every series in baseball has an interleague game and hard to uh, imagine teams seeing each other or being in the same city to play a three-game series again. So that's uh, understandable logistically. Honestly, I feel like every both sides have had their perspective put out there publicly one way or the other. The players have had their side, their talking points. They don't feel like the owners are negotiating fairly. They feel like the owners, Major League Baseball, wants to put them to the test of their solidarity. And Major League Baseball feels like they put in a lot of effort, have made a lot of concessions. I believe at this point, all of us, We don't really want to hear that anymore. We want to hear a solution from both sides. We know the symptoms, but what's the cure to getting baseball back on the field? And, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles my entire life. I went through the 94, 95 lockout. And I remember back then, 
it wasn't just about owners versus players. It was more about owners versus owners, small market owners against big market owners because of what we're hearing again now from Major League Baseball that they're worried about the runaway spending of the Red Sox and the Mets and the Dodgers and the Yankees. Well, there is a luxury tax in place, and there is a solution to all this by raising the luxury tax threshold, make it a higher number in the 260 millions, and have harsher penalties. I feel like that's a fair solution. But to have it flat and still have the same penalties as the last bargaining agreement that, by the way, the players did agree to, it doesn't make much sense. So I understand why the players want to change it. But honestly, like I have said many times, the players have put themselves in this position. They have been let down by Tony Clark in the last two bargaining agreements. And you heard that after the 2016 CBA was completed. Players were telling me that spring training, they felt like they got the short end of the stick. And that's why they brought in a real negotiator, a real lawyer, to sit across the table from Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball owners. So Tony Clark was saved the embarrassment of actually just being removed. And they still kept him as part of the union head. But really, he's not the one negotiating. He's a great spokesman and honestly does care about the players' best interests. But he was overmatched. He was overmatched, and the players have themselves to blame for being in this position, backed in a corner, trying to get everything back that they gave away. And I don't blame them for trying to get it back, but they're the ones that agreed to the last deal. I think that is one of the biggest things that resonated with me during Rob Manfred's press conference. He, he said, what am I supposed to do? The players agreed to the last deal. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do, and... That's maybe the one thing I really do agree with what he had to say yesterday. But at this point in time, I think you, the fans, deserve better. I'm not, I'm not on the player side. I'm not on the owner's side. I'm on baseball side. There is a way to get to a deal here. There is a way to meet in the middle. And I feel like both sides were trending in that direction, but not enough. And that's why the first uh, seven games were canceled. Because like I said, March 1st, it's unrealistic to believe to get the whole season in. You would have to have a deal by March 1st. And we're well beyond that now. And hopefully tomorrow when these two sides meet again, they could get a deal done by the end of next week. I I would say that's the best case scenario. I'm not sure how likely that is. We'll ask Ken Rosenthal about that in, in about seven minutes. But... That would be the best case scenario. And another thing that I, you know, I understand where everybody's very upset and emotional over the fact that games have been canceled. Uh, This is the first time since the 94 lockout that has happened. But I don't believe it's doomsday for baseball. I really don't. As long as opening day takes place by May 1st or on May 1st, I don't believe it's doomsday for baseball. I really don't. I thought Andy McCullough of The Athletic uh, wrote it perfectly, where baseball is not dead, but baseball is fading, and it will fade even more with so many, you know, look, I have two young kids. They're looking at the iPad 24-7, basically. With so much of that and video games and other sports going on, um, out of sight is out of mind these days, and baseball can't afford to allow this to go any further past the 
first part of May or May 1st. For me, the David Vassay deadline for Doomsday is May 1st. You have to have a deal by May 1st, or yeah, then it's getting really serious. Not, not having opening day on March 29th, to me, is not Doomsday. Curious what you think. Is it Doomsday for you? I know all of you want to be in Arizona having a good time and being there on the backfields, but I'm telling you, you will be there eventually. I just don't know when, and I'm hoping optimistically from some of the players that I've spoken to, they're hopeful that they'll be able to get a deal done by the end of March. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. It's day 91 of the lockout. Rob Manfred had the press conference after, um, you know, I don't know what was going on in the dark of night in Florida. And honestly, nobody really knows the truth because they're getting their information, as I am, from one side or the other. And nobody's going to be completely transparent on where things were. I know Ross Stripling came out today and said that he felt like Rob Manfred was trying to sneak things in at the last minute, what they hadn't agreed on. And I I could see that. That could be a realistic scenario. I can also see the players going back to agents and agents that have a voice and them saying no deal. So there's a lot of people involved. And the biggest thing for the negotiators in that room is to mitigate all that and make a deal with the guy across the table. Forget about you know, the other owners and agents and try to make a deal that makes sense for both sides. And I believe it's very doable. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. When we come back, we'll check in with Ken Rosenthal from Fox Sports and The Athletic right here on AM570 LA Sports. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Off-Season Dodger Talk. Call 866-987-2570. And now your host for Off-Season Dodger Talk, David Bassett. We are with you until 8 o'clock tonight right here on AM570 LA Sports. Coming up in 30 minutes, you'll hear from Dodgers top pitching prospect Bobby Miller as the minor leaguers are at Camelback Ranch getting ready for the season. On Friday night is our next show, and Max Muncy will be our special guest Friday night. But we have a very special guest joining us right now. He is the number one information and breaking newsman when it comes to Major League Baseball. His context in writings is above none, and he is, or is above all, excuse me, Ken. Uh, first time on the show, maybe his last after that. The one and only from the Athletic and Fox Sports, Ken Rosenthal. How you doing, Ken? Well, David, considering my diminutive stature, maybe I am above none. <laughs> hey, see, <laughs> I get nervous. There, my man. I get nervous when I got somebody on the show for the first time. Oh, please, you don't get nervous. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Ken, uh, I think you've provided such great context Uh not only in this situation, but over the years, you lived the 94-95 lockout. 
is there anything that makes you feel like uh, this is somewhat of the same argument that they had back then as far as concern over big market team spending? That was part of the 94-95 strike. There's no question, David. And frankly, I don't have a great memory of that. It was a long time ago. (laughs) But it was ugly. There was a lot of different dynamics in play then. The union was much more in a dominant position than it is today. It was led by Donald Fear at the time, Gene Orza, and these guys were very strong leaders. There was a long history at the time of tension between the sides. There had been many multiple work stoppages leading up to 94, 95. This is a different time. We haven't had a work stoppage since. This is the first one. So, it's something of a new experience for the players. They are quite galvanized. I will say that. There's not much doubt about it. They've been quite strong through this. Now we'll see if it holds as time goes on, if they indeed miss paychecks. But the small market, large market dynamic is part of this. And one of the things I've heard over the last couple of days is, hey, you can't expect the players to solve that. And that's true to a certain extent. So there's just so many layers to these things that, I wouldn't pin it on one thing, but if you ask me if that tension exists, I certainly believe it does. With all that being said, Ken, from your knowledge of the way these negotiations have gone and the way they've gone this past week, how do they get this done? How do they meet in the middle and split the difference? I don't know. And when I say that, I say that, David, because the tension is so high, the distrust is so high, the antipathy from one side to the other and back is so high that I don't know exactly how they're going to get back to the table. And it may take that month of April for it to happen because then the economics change a little bit. The local TV contracts start requiring teams to give rebates to the local networks. Ideally what I would like to see, what we all would like to see is them to get back at the table Thursday, Friday, well, Thursday, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. And, just hammer this thing out. They weren't close the other night. The union never thought they were close, but they are at least in the same areas. And it seems to me there is a deal to be had. I don't understand the pride that is preventing that from happening, particularly on the owner's side. If, in my mind, and I've written this, they're going to win. They win. It's just a matter of by how much. The current system works to their benefit. This system will require them to pay some additional guaranteed money, but they're going to get some money, too, to expand the playoffs. And it's to the benefit of them, to the benefit of the players, if they bend toward the players in the areas they want, the luxury tax thresholds in particular. I don't think this is worth losing games over. I wrote this game, I can't remember, it was maybe back in December, and I wrote not a single game should be lost, and I still believe that. But I don't know that that is going to come to pass. The two things that I brought as far as the player side of things, Ken, they were the ones that prioritized extra seats on the bus, better food in the clubhouse, extra days off in the last collective bargaining agreement. Colin McHugh, I thought, had great perspective, saying that you can't expect us to get everything back in this one negotiation. Do you feel the players understand that, and are they going for everything, or do you feel like they are conceding things? Early on, yes, they were going for everything. Because why not, right? You can always ask. 
the owners basically said no changes in the time to free agency. It's going to stay six, six years. They said we're not moving on arbitration eligibility, and they have not. They said they're not moving on revenue sharing, and they have not. The union has had to concede in all three areas. The owners will say, well, there are no concessions because they never were getting those things in the first place. Hmm. But if you say that the players are asking for everything, they're not, at least anymore. What they want is, the, like I said, the higher thresholds, the increased pre-R pool, the increased minimum salaries beyond what the owners have offered. And should they get that to some degree, then this deal becomes not a triumph for them necessarily, but a step forward. And that is probably all they can ask. You're right. They gave up a lot in the last two deals. They made some mistakes. And the way the world works, you don't get it all back at once. They'd like mm-hmm. to, but it's not going to happen that way. You start here, then perhaps in five years, when the next CBA comes up, revenues are back. We don't have a pandemic, hopefully. And then you get a little bit bigger chunk. Ken Rosenthal is joining us from The Athletic and Fox Sports. He's the senior writer for The Athletic. He's the reason why, I guess, and Andy McCullough, the two reasons why I subscribe to The Athletic, Ken. I don't want to leave Andy out. but Don't leave uh, Andy out, David. I'll tell him. <laughs> you want to talk some hot stove, Ken? Get off this labor talk? Maybe uh, be in fantasy land that this is going to end soon? Let's do it. Freddie Freeman. Uh, There were discussions between him and the Dodgers in December before the lockout. Chipper Jones seemed to be paving the way to brace Braves fans that he may be leaving. What are your sources telling you about Freddie leaving Atlanta and the chances he lands here in Los Angeles? The chances of him leaving are greater than they've ever been, and it's real. He, I believe, will leave for the right offer. This has gone on with the Braves going back to spring training. They, I don't believe, made him an offer then, or if they did, it wasn't sufficient, quite obviously. They made him an offer, I believe, in August. That was insufficient as well. And in the exclusive period after the World Series ended, there was nothing. Through November, there was nothing. So he understands now that he may have to look elsewhere. And because he's Freddie Freeman, one of the great players in the game, he has options. L.A., from a personal standpoint, would be very appealing. He's from Orange County, of course. The Blue Jays were also interested. His parents were both born in Canada, the Yankees. They always have appeals to players. But I would think that if the Dodgers want Freddie Freeman, they've got a real shot at him. And I do believe he will leave for the right offer. And, David, you know this better than I. For the Dodgers, he's a really good fit. The Law Seegers, left-handed bat, Freddie Freeman gives you that. Now, I know he's an older guy in baseball terms, 31-32, and the Dodgers, like all teams, oh my gosh, we can't find somebody <laughs> that age. But sometimes you do that, they did it with Justin Turner, and Freddie Freeman still looks like a pretty darn good player, and he's still, I think he still will be for the next few years. Is it easier to digest with the universal DH, Ken, moving forward, signing a player that's 32 years old? Yes, and that's a good point. And It's interesting with the universal DH. In some ways, it's not the attractive piece to players that it would have been 20 years ago because so many teams rotate their DHs and do not use a primary DH. Last year, there was Nelson Cruz, there was J.D. Martinez, maybe one or two others, but teams, for the most part, use that to rest players and all that. But four corner infielders and corner outfielders who might not have done as well in free agency as they age 
this, in my view, for National League teams, gives them a better opportunity. And, yes, that does make it more palatable to the Dodgers, I would think, regarding Freddie Freeman. You know, I mentioned, Ken, that Max Muncy is going to be our guest on Friday night. Uh, it feels like nobody really knows the status of his right elbow since he went public and said, yeah, there's a real issue there. I guess that would be another layer to the need for Freddie Freeman. Certainly is. And one of the odd things about this lockout is the teams can't talk to players. They can't know exactly where they are medically. Now, do I believe certain teams are back-channeling and figuring out things that way? Yes. I did a story on Nick Madrigal of the Cubs earlier, and the Cubs are actually allowed to talk to the independent athletic trainers he's working for, the physical therapist, can't talk to Nick. So I imagine the Dodgers can do that with Kershaw, with, uh, with Muncie, anybody else that they might be concerned about or coming off an injury. But at the same time, there is uncertainty with Max Muncie, and I don't know that that drives the Freddie Freeman thing because Max, of course, can play multiple positions, even if healthy, but it's certainly a factor as well. Ken, before I let you go, the elephant in the room in Los Angeles is Trevor Bauer and his status. And with the lockout, uh, obviously there's no resolution to this point, but the L.A. District Attorney's Office, as you know, did not charge him. So where does this stand with Bauer? Do you believe that he'll still get suspended because of everything that's unfolded uh, in the courts or what hasn't unfolded in the courts? And do you believe he might be a Dodger again? Well, baseball's domestic violence policy makes it quite clear that a player need not be charged or found guilty to be suspended under the policy. So, yes, it is certainly quite possible Trevor Bauer will be suspended. And I don't want to guess, but I expect he's going to get discipline of some kind, and that would involve some kind of suspension. Will he play for the Dodgers again? I sort of have a hard time believing it, but there's a huge economic component to this discussion and that's going to have to be resolved one way or the other. And that's why we want the luxury tax at $300 million, Ken. <laughs> I'm sure, David. That would help. That would help. <laughs> that's not what Dodger fans want. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. Hey, great to hear your voice, Ken. Uh, your voice is always great in print, but I'm glad I could share it with uh, Dodger fans here in Los Angeles and have some fun and talk some baseball. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. There he goes. The great Ken Rosenthal. Love him. He's the man. And uh, Fox Sports baseball insider and the athletic senior writer. Appreciate him coming on the show. And I thought he gave some good insight to Freddie Freeman and Trevor Bauer along with the lockout. See, we don't just focus on the lockout. The lockout will resolve itself sooner rather than later, hopefully. But uh, when it does, should be very interesting. The free agent frenzy and the trades that are going to be made as soon as all of this ends. Joe Kelly even said it. Uh, you'll have uh, guys being signed at 4 in the morning. So they're going to meet again tomorrow, both sides, owners, players. And hopefully they can work towards a deal and get this thing resolved by the end of March and get baseball going and have opening day sometime in April um, and if that happens, um, as the great Chick Hearn would say, no harm, no foul. When we come back, your phone calls, your reaction to what Ken Rosenthal had to say about Freddie Freeman, where things stand with Trevor Bauer, and also your thoughts on where baseball stands with this lockout. Day 91, but we're here for you. Dodger talk until 8 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. 
Knockout be damned. This is off-season Dodger talk. Here's David Vasse. Thank you to Ken Rosenthal, Fox Sports, senior writer at The Athletic. You know him well. You know that's where you go for information and great context in the sport of baseball. In case you missed the interview, you can listen to it on the iHeartRadio app once we sign off at 8 o'clock. And Bobby Miller, Dodgers' top pitching prospect, you'll hear from him coming up at 740. But I thought the one thing that I took away from Ken's perspective and reporting on the dynamics of the negotiations between Rob Manfred and the player side of things, it reminded me of what I read in the New York Times yesterday. Tyler Kepner had a chance to catch up with the former commissioner of baseball, Faye Vincent, who was involved when there was a labor disagreement in 1990. They were able to get all 162 games into the season despite a little bit of a delay. But what really stood out to me from that New York Times article was the fact that Faye Vincent realized that he and Don Fear were not going to be able to make a deal for whatever reason. The language that they were speaking was not adding up to a deal. So Faye Vincent checked his ego and got another negotiator in his office to go into a side room of the commissioner's office in New York with Don Fear, who was representing the union, and they came out of that conference room with a deal. And maybe that's something that Rob Manfred might want to consider and take a cue from one of his predecessors in Faye Vincent. Look, it's not about me. It's about the sport. Uh, Whatever I'm saying is not clicking with the other side. Whatever the other side is saying to me is not clicking. Uh, Maybe we need to get a new set of ears and eyes involved to get this deal done. I I don't think that's a bad thing. And look, Faye Vincent did it and avoided a a work stoppage that was extended in 1990. So that's what stood out to me, and I I think that always um, is a consideration if you really are about the sport on both sides. Maybe you want to find somebody else to try to make a deal that's part of your cabinet. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Let's go out to Matt in Phoenix. You're on Dodger Talk with David Vasse. Hi, Matt. Hey, Dave. It's great to finally talk to you. First time I'm calling in, hopefully not the last. Been hey, you for many thank years. you. Yeah, I appreciate everything that your whole team brings, and it's great to have iHeartRadio because it's just like I'm back in California again. Yeah, that iHeartRadio app really comes in handy. It's fantastic, and I don't even have to turn my radio down when I come on. (laughs) (laughs) I have a thought. I have many thoughts on the CBA, but I want to run something by you and see what you think. It would have been nice to be able to ask Ken this, but I've become really frustrated with my, in my opinion, the players and the owners' lack of ability to think outside the box here Hmm. um, when they're trying to negotiate. We have no middle class in baseball. Uh, I think the NBA is a great model. I think you brought it up before on separate shows. But why can't we have – six years is a long time to be controlled, especially when you're 30 by the time you're a free agent. Why can't we have something like a restricted free agent where a player can go out and test the waters, and if he gets an offer, it allows the team that groomed him the chance to match. And maybe if that team matches him or signs a homegrown player, like if the Pirates signed Garrett Coleman years ago – that doesn't count against the collective bargaining tax for that team. Or they get additional draft picks, 
or something to encourage small market teams to retain their talent. And also, it would create a better middle class. Somebody like Chuck Peterson comes to mind. Alex Caruso on the Lakers. Alex Caruso is a solid middle class player. He worked hard, and things didn't work out for him with the Lakers, but he got life-changing money at an early age. I just wondered what your thoughts were of that. No, I, you know, I like that. I like that a lot. And um, I don't know if the restricted free agency is tied to having a salary cap, but that's not something the players will go for. That's for sure, Matt. Um, they're not going to go for uh, a salary yeah. cap. But the rest- I, I 100% agree with you. And, you know, ESPN.com did a great article on the fact that those middle-class players that you're talking about – uh, for the last six or since 2016, their average salary has gone down considerably. And that, that seems to always happen. The middle class gets squeezed, whether it's in American society or in baseball, because sports is always a microcosm of society. But, yeah, it's not, you know, they're fighting for yeah. these guys that are only in the league for two years, and a lot of them don't even stick after two years. But are they really yeah. – forgetting about the middle class like you said i I agree with that i think so i think that they are doing a good job with the minimum salary to protect the zero three players there's not a lot of protection for three to six until they get to free agency i know that they'll never have a salary cap that's why my idea was to tie somehow to the cvp and also a way to help veteran players from getting squeezed out of jobs by younger players why can't we have a veteran minimum that counts zero against the collective bargaining tax I love that. And how many times, Matt, have we heard when these front office executives use buzzwords like trying to be creative? Uh, Why don't they try to be creative like Matt from Phoenix in the negotiating room? That's being creative. That old CBA uh, is is about worthless, just like the ones 10 years ago. They need to start from scratch, and I don't know why they keep basing it off the old system. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I hopefully will be calling back soon, and uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you out here in spring training. All right, that will happen, Matt, and you got the green light to call back. You got some sense in you, so I appreciate that. 866-987-2570. Let's go out to Patricia in Westchester. You're on Dodger Talk with David Vassay. Hi, Patricia. Hi, David. I think I'm confused. I thought that... We all are, Patricia. uh, I thought that Bob Manford was representing the owners. Is that not correct? That is correct. Well, then why are the players expecting him to be doing something for their side? Well, I don't believe they're expecting him to do something for their sides. But, Patricia, ideally, you would like to have the 30 owners and the players union be partners in this great game of ours. That's the only way baseball is going to grow and compete with the other sports. They're going to have to find a way after these negotiations are over with to become partners and market the game better and make the game more entertaining. Get back to that. Uh, I think this is uh, a distraction, honestly, an unnecessary distraction. They've got to find a way to come together. And as the commissioner of baseball, he's got to have the greater good of the game at the forefront. But from the very beginning, as far as I can remember, he has not demonstrated that he is, going to do anything for the players. There was no, I mean, I can understand what he did with Houston because the owners I can see would say, well, we can't punish these players because then every other owner's club 
would have to be punished for the same thing. Yeah, that was... And uh, there was no big, no proof that, that anybody else had done it, but it seems like everybody, every other team was saying there was something well, like he did that. hold he did hold the coaches and the front office GM accountable, but he didn't hold the organization as accountable as many in the industry wanted him to uh, hold. And he was kind of uh, handcuffed when it came to disciplining uh, players because the union had their interests in those players as well. So that was a complicated issue. But the biggest thing was how disappointing it was when he was trying to defend his actions or inactions that he called the World Series trophy just a hunk of metal. That's not something you want to hear from the commissioner, no matter what sport it is. Thanks for the phone call, Patricia. Appreciate it. I'm sorry. We have to move on. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Uh, Look, we all know what the blemishes are, but, uh, you know, at this point in time, they've got to find a way to come together. And like I've pointed out numerous times, I would love to see a league that resembles the NBA, where Adam Silver obviously works for the owners, but finds a way to go across the aisle and embrace the players and acknowledge the fact without the players, there is no league. There is no product. How many times have you heard Adam Silver say that? I haven't heard that been said too much over the years in Major League Baseball, not only from Rob Manfred, but others. You know, Bud Selig used to say it. Bud Selig used to say it often, um, but I don't hear that as often in the last 10 years or so. And I think for baseball to get where it could be and needs to be, these two sides need to become partners and (laughs) work together and not just work together and make a collective bargaining agreement together, but actually work together to grow the game and be partners in every sense of the word. And I don't believe that's out of bounds. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. We want to uh, take you to Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona. That's where Dodger minor leaguers are gathering to get ready for their minor league season. And a lot of the Dodgers' top prospects are down there right now getting ready to play games. And one of them is their number one draft pick from 2020 out of Louisville, the one and only Bobby Miller. We are joined right now by a man that is on the rise in the Dodger organization after being drafted in the first round by the team in the 2020 draft. He's a Cardinal out of Louisville, and he is one of the Dodgers' top pitching prospects, and he is down in Arizona as the minor leaguers, not on the 40-man roster, are getting set for their season, and that is the one and only Bobby Miller. Bobby, thanks a lot for the time. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. So, Bobby, obviously the major league players have their own issues going on, but for a minor league pitcher, uh, does it feel like normal for you as we get into spring training? Uh, Right now, yeah. Last year, um, obviously, it was a little bit of a different year for me. But, I mean, everyone's still here getting their work done. Uh, Everybody here has been getting after it so far, and uh, we're all having a really good time. It's weird how you said last year was a different year for you. In what ways was it the most different? Uh, I guess um, all the COVID stuff was a little different. Um, You know, they had uh, the big league spring training last year. Um, Obviously, it's not going on right now. Um, Yeah, we were playing games there at this time last year. Right now, we're we're just about to start camp games. But, um, 
Yeah, we're still having a great time out here and uh, getting all the work done we need to get done. Bobby, whenever we hear your name, it's associated with two other guys that are in the system and really good pitchers in their own rights, and that's Ryan Pepio and Landon Knack. What's the relationship between you three? Uh, I mean, it's pretty good. We see each other at the field every day, obviously. Um, All the pitchers have a pretty good relationship right now. Um, It's nice to be able to have a lot of other good arms in our org. Um, We learn a lot from each other, no matter who it is, and uh, that's something that's really important to us. Bobby, you're on the same team. You want the best for each other, but is there a friendly competition between you and maybe other pitchers in the organization? Um, I mean, I haven't really thought of it that way. Um, yeah, everyone's rooting for each other here, man. So uh, I haven't really thought of it in that type of way. Uh, obviously, in every organization, there's going to be competition within each other. Um, everybody wants to go up, but... Um, Uh, I mean, I just got to focus on being the best player I can be right now, not think of any other competition, anything like that. Speaking of that, Bobby Miller, I've read some stories that you're very hard on yourself. Have you learned uh, how to ease up on on Bobby Miller? Uh, Yeah, sometimes, uh, yeah, I get ahead of myself a little bit here and there. I guess it just uh, comes with the competitiveness I have out there on the mound. But um, that's something I've been working on, just trying to calm myself down a little bit um, to see where the game takes me. When you talk about beating yourself up, is that trying to calm yourself down after maybe not executing a pitch the way you wanted it to so it doesn't affect the next two or three pitches? Is that the biggest goal, to try to not beat yourself up as much? Yeah, I guess you could put it that way uh, if you want to. Um, I mean, also another thing is just you got to realize sometimes you can't just expect perfection every time. Obviously, everybody wants that. Um, obviously, I want that for myself, but um, got to be realistic here and there. But um, obviously, I expect my like I have high expectations for myself, and that's what I hold myself to. Um, that's maybe sometimes I can get a little aggravated here and there, but um, that just comes with my competitiveness in the game. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I've just been working on right now. Just uh, Calm down the emotions, uh, just ease out. All right, so can you put it on a spectrum for us, a spectrum of Rich Hill going crazy in the dugout and on the mound uh, compared to the other end of the spectrum where maybe Clayton Kershaw just barks in his glove? Are, are you closer to the Rich Hill side of things or the Clayton Kershaw side of things? Uh, I'd say more like Kershaw. I kind of just like say stuff <laughs> to myself. Um I try not to make like, a big scene or anything, just not throw anything around, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I, use, I can kind of bark at myself here and there under my glove. That's about it. Um, yeah, it's something uh, I've been working on right now. I'm just calming myself down. Um, just work, get to the next pitch, get to the next pitch, execute my next pitch. Um, forget about the last one. Uh, that's something that's really important in this game, especially pitching is, having a short memory here and there. Um, If you get a bad pitch, forget about that one and move on to the next one. Bobby Miller is our guest. He is at a minor league camp at Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona, as he prepares for his minor league season. Everybody knows his name. Everybody's seen his picture on the website. I heard that you used to have long hair in high school, so where's your hair at right now, Miller? Uh, It's uh, super short right now. A few months ago, I buzzed it a little bit. It's growing back now, but, uh, yeah, it's pretty short. <laughs> Why did you buzz it? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, it just felt comfortable, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, especially in the summer. You know, when you're out there in the minor leagues, maybe starting the season in Tulsa this year or Oklahoma City, it gets a little hot and humid out there, Bobby. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's super nice out here in Arizona right now, though, so I have nothing to complain about with the weather. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Bobby Miller is our guest. He was the Dodgers' first-round draft pick in 2020 out of Louisville. Now, Bobby, the Dodgers are at the forefront of analytics and biomechanics. From what I understand, uh, you really dive into the way you hold the baseball, the way you deliver the baseball. Uh, Where does that come from? Yeah, um, I wasn't super educated about that before um, the draft. I knew a little bit of stuff, just not a whole lot with um, analytics or whether it's pitch design, stuff like that. Um, uh, Now I feel like I'm super educated on that. But, yeah, I've had a lot of grip changes here and there, especially with the change-up. But then, obviously, we also do a good balance of um, the other part of the game, too, which is also important, obviously, executing all your stuff. Um, But we do a good balance of both. And, um, yeah, pitch designing, definitely uh, super important. that's something I've been learning a lot more about since I've gotten drafted. Are you still tweaking things, or are you a guy that tweaks all the time, or can you settle in and find something? Uh, I feel I feel pretty settled in right now. Currently, um, it's probably the most settle, settled in I've felt um, in, a, in a long time, so I'm feeling really comfortable with where my pitches are at right now. Um, now I'm just getting to the point of uh, executing those. Um Really dove into a decent amount of uh, pitch designing this off season, and um, and now I'm just on the other part of it, executing those um, and just making sure all my stuff stays well, stays good. Bobby, before I uh, let you go, you know when all this lockout stuff ends, it looks like there is going to be a universal DH, which means pitchers in the National League are not going to hit anymore. I'm curious, <laughs> are you disappointed about that? Were you a hitter in high school or college? Uh, I was a hitter in high school, but uh, I'm not complaining about the DH. Um, I'd rather have one of those bats in the lineup than myself going up there right now. <laughs> it's been a pretty long time since I've picked up a bat and seen a lot of my teammates throw, and uh, I'm probably not going to hit those pitchers. So <laughs> definitely not going to hit a lot of those nasty pitches. So I'm not complaining about that. Well, hopefully by the time you make it to the major leagues, even with a DH, the starting pitchers can have some, you know, home run derby before the big boys get out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, I still feel like I can hit the ball pretty far, but um, got to make contact with it first. <laughs> yeah, that always helps. Well, at least you're honest about it, Bobby. Some pitchers are in denial about their uh, their skills at hitting. Yeah, maybe maybe if I kept hitting. Um, I'd be a lot more confident in myself with that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen um, 95 or higher in a super long time. <laughs> okay. Pitching is uh, definitely your calling, and, you know, the sky's the limit for Bobby Miller, and uh, hopefully we see you in Los Angeles sooner rather than later. But like Rich Hill likes to say, Bobby, you got to be in the moment, one pitch at a time, one step at a time. Always. Always got to be in the moment. Thanks a lot for the time, Bobby. It was great to introduce you to the fans, the Dodger fans, since we only see headshots and nobody knows uh, your personality or what you try to do out there. So I'm always happy to introduce uh, guys like you to the fans. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. See you later. There he goes, Bobby Miller, one of the Dodgers' top pitching prospects. Had a chance to catch up with him earlier this evening, and a very interesting uh, prospect for the Dodgers. They're very high on him, and obviously you can hear the competitiveness in his voice on wanting to get better, and you love to hear that from a young pitcher, a young player, and the Dodgers have, I guess you would call them, their big three as far as their top three pitching prospects, Ryan Pepio, Bobby Miller, and Landon Knack. Landon Knack sometimes gets overlooked. Everybody always seems to talk about Pepio and Bobby Miller, but a lot of uh, people in the organization are equally as high on Landon Knack and believe that he can actually help the Dodgers this year as well. So you look at the Dodger rotation as it stands right now, uh, I'm not including Bauer or Kershaw. You just have Julio Urias, Walker Bueller, Andrew Haney, and Tony Gonsolin. Uh, I expect Kershaw to be back with the Dodgers. They do have to make him feel wanted, but he wants to come back. I feel like he's leaning that way, but certainly doesn't want it to feel like the Dodgers are doing it because they're obligated to bring him back. He still feels like he can pitch and help the team win. Um, And Trevor Bauer's status is uncertain. But if there is a, a little thinness to their rotation, the Dodgers can make a trade. And also, they have the comfort in knowing they have three very good young starters that at any point in time as the season goes on, they may be ready for spot starts, two weeks of starting, maybe extended starting, depending on the way the pitching staff goes in the first half and second half of the season. So remember those names, Bobby Miller, Ryan Pepio, and Landon Knack. Thanks to Bobby Miller and Ken Rosenthal for joining us tonight. You can podcast both of those interviews and the entire show on the iHeartRadio app. You can follow me on Instagram at OfficiallyVasse and on Twitter at the real underscore DV. Thanks to Ronnie Fascio for all his help, and thanks to you for listening. Stay true. Keep hope alive. Baseball will be back, I believe, by the end of March. We'll talk to you Friday night at 7 o'clock. Max Muncy will be our guest. See ya. Broadcasting from the heart of Los Angeles, your official home of the L.A. Dodgers. AM 570 L.A. Sports.